Welcome to the UNT BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to untbsm.com. Thanks for listening. Couple quick things. If you don't have a Bible, we have some BSM Bibles that are kind of spread out. Um, if you would like one of those, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll get one passed to you. So, okay, raise your hand and let's just pass the Bibles around. If you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take that. That is our gift to you. And so tonight we are going to be jumping into a series called Who Did Jesus Think He Was? And so to do that, this whole semester, we are going to be studying the book of John. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. If you're not familiar with a Bible, let me explain a little bit about how it works. In the very front, there is something called the table of contents. You can go and you can look. John is in the New Testament. And so you can go and find the page number. If you need help, talk to the person next to you. We would love to help you just become a little bit more familiar with the Bible. Now, when you open up to the book of John, you'll see some numbers. Some are big and some are small. That big number is called the chapter, and the small number is the verse. And so tonight, we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And so whenever you hear me say, okay, let's look at verse 13, you'll know exactly where to go and look. On the Bible, in the Bible, we'll be on page 517 in those white BSM Bibles. And I'm serious, if you don't own a Bible, we want you to take that with you. So our series, like I said, is called, Who Did Jesus Think He Was? I think oftentimes you've probably heard a lot of opinions from people about who they believe Jesus is, right? You've probably heard from your parents, you heard from someone maybe in church, Maybe someone in a class, you've heard their perspective of who Jesus is. You maybe even have your own opinions of who Jesus is. But do you know who Jesus says he is? And so tonight, that's what we're going to do. We are going to start, and we're going to spend an entire semester saying, okay, who does Jesus say he is? And so we're going to get to hear straight from his mouth that has been recorded by John. And so that is our hope. And here's something that I want to help you to understand. Okay, I told you last week that I just recently started uh, a Ph.D. program, so I just went back to school. And one of the things that my professors told me that very first day is you are going to have to start to figure out what does it look like to really wrestle with what you read, and you're going to have to learn a new way to study, a new way to learn, and a new way to kind of think through things critically. And so as we were kind of thinking about that, the more that she talked, the more that I realized, like, okay, this sounds really familiar to me. This is what it looks like to study the Bible. We want to dive in. We want to wrestle with the text. We want to know, okay, what's true? What's the context? What's happening? When this book was written, who was it written to? Why was it written? What's going on? We want to know what is true. And so that's our hope, is for us to learn and to dive in so we can figure out and say, okay, what is true? And so that's one of the reasons we do the, the Golsa Bible study method is I want every person that comes to BSM to be able to know when I open up the Bible, this is what I'm looking for. So we want to say, okay, what does it say about God? When we learn about God, we get to learn more about us as people. And so that's our hope is to give you an opportunity to start to learn more about God so that you can have a better understanding of who Jesus is and what it is that he says about himself. So this passage in chapter 1 can be a little confusing. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to do my best to try to walk us through this first part of chapter 1. 
And here's what I want to challenge you. Is when we get to the very end of the semester, go back and read chapter 1. It's kind of like a prologue. It's like he is trying to set us up for everything that he's going to tell us throughout the rest of the book. And so I, we're going to walk through it. We're going to wrestle with a few things. And you're going to, we're going to read the first couple of verses, and you're probably going to say, okay, I don't even know what that means. But hang with me. We're going to do our best to explain it. But I do want to say, go back. After you've read the book of John with us, go back. And you'll, I think it'll provide a little bit more depth and insight into what John was trying to say. So let me give you a little bit of background on the book of John. So we're going to talk about Gospels and the Gospel tonight. So in the Bible, there are different genres. So you understand what I say with literary genres, and you've heard that in school. And so what we see is there are four books in the Bible that are Gospel genre. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the Bible. And what you need to know about a gospel is it's literally a historical re recounting of the narrative of what Jesus did and said. So what it is, it's a retelling of Jesus' life and what happened through Jesus. And so there's something else called the synoptic gospels. And what that means is Matthew, Mark, and Luke are really similar with how they tell things and what they're talking about. They're also similar because they were all three written to the Jewish people. Then we have John. John's a little bit different. It was written to the Greeks. So he's writing this to people that were not Jewish. So they had no background. There was no understanding of who Jesus would be. And so he's writing it specifically to them. So that's important for us to know. He's writing this to people that had no idea what was going on. And so John was also a disciple. So he walked with Jesus as he was doing his ministry. And many scholars believe that he was also his cousin. So John knew Jesus well. And we get to hear from him as he's talking about not only what Jesus did, but also as he recounts what Jesus said. So he's literally telling us from memory what he saw Jesus do. And so you ready to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, our text for tonight, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. The theme of the night is this, the word became flesh. And what that means is Jesus, who is God, became a man. And so let's start. We're, we're going to do this a little differently. We're going to go a couple verses at a time. You with me? We're going to kind of do chunks because I think that's the easiest way to kind of set us up to walk through the text. So we're going to look at the first three verses together. So chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made possible through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, who's confused? Anybody going to admit it? Okay, hey, maybe, maybe this will be a little easier than I thought. Um, so here's what's important to understand. Whenever we see the word, word, do you notice that it's capitalized? So that means it's a name. And here's the other thing. When, when he chose that word, he chose it on purpose. The Greek word for word is logos, and that had a deep meaning to the Greeks. And so he was using that word to describe Jesus. And so let's read back through these verses, and I'm going to change out the word, word, with Jesus. Okay? So let's read it. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. So what we're seeing right there is it's talking about how Jesus was from the beginning. He's saying, okay, God was never created. He has just always been, all right? And that's what he's pointing back and saying the same 
thing with Jesus. He's pointing back to Genesis 1, 1, where it talks about how God was from the beginning and God created the world. And so what we're seeing right now is John is pointing them back. And he's saying, remember this about God. Let's go on with verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is not the John who wrote the book. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. And so, okay, what are we seeing right here? We're seeing Jesus is being referred to as not only the word, but now he's being referred to as the life and the light. So let's go through and let's read it that way. Okay, so he's saying, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. So he's talking about Jesus being the light to men. The light shines in the darkness, so Jesus shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And it references John the Baptist. John the Baptist went and was going and telling people about Jesus before Jesus came and was doing his ministry. So he'll reference him a couple of times in the text, just so you know who he is. And so we're seeing synonyms happen. So you know what synonyms mean? It's words that mean the same thing, right? And so what we see is he's using the word, the light, the life. They're all meaning the same thing. So what he's wanting is he, want, he wants you to think of God. He wants you to think of Jesus as being the light, as being light itself. And I th- the thing that I think is real important is for us to think about what is our view of God. Okay, have you ever thought about, like, who is God? What does this mean to me? John paints a picture throughout this entire book about God as glorious, that God is good, that God is powerful, that God is pure, that God is wise. So he's going to be painting a picture of how great and how big and how glorious God is. And so when he writes about him being the life, when he writes about him being the word, when he writes about him being the light, think about A big God that he's writing about. Let's continue. Sorry, we're going through quickly. I want to get you to your groups. Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And we're going to see in verse 14, he's kind of explaining everything he just said in verses 9 through 13. And it says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So he's saying, the logos, the word, the light, the life became flesh. He's saying God became born as a man. What this means is the unapproachable became approachable. And John is saying not only did he become approachable, but he walked with us. I saw him. We saw him. He says, and I saw God walking on the earth, and it was glorious. And so he's wanting you to understand that not only did he see God walking, but he said others saw him too. And not only did he, he said he was, he was born in flesh. He dwelt among them, and we saw his glory. Let's keep going. Verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried out, 
This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. So once again, he's pointing back to John the Baptist, and he's trying to set a a picture of who Jesus is. And he's saying, remember, he ranks above me because he was created before me. Verse 16, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who's at the Father's side, he has made him known. Let's define grace. Grace is a gift received, a gift, receiving something that you do not deserve. And so John is saying, we've seen God made in the flesh in Jesus, and he is full of grace. And because of who he is, we receive grace. Whenever it mentions in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, what he's talking about is the Ten Commandments. So thou shalt have no other God before me. Those different commandments. And the reasons those are put into place is to reveal to us the reason that we actually need a Savior in the first place. We can't live our lives according to all of those things. And so he's saying, okay, Moses gave us the law. Jesus comes in, he fulfills it, and he gives us grace. And so why does that matter? Why does it matter that God became man? Why does it matter that the word became flesh? In verse 5, it says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came because the world is dark. There's a lot wrong with the world, right? You just look around, you can kind of see it, you experience it. The world does not look the way that God intended it to. It does not look the way that it was originally created that we can see back in Genesis. Okay, I want you to picture this. If we turned off all the lights in this room and it was pitch black outside, it would be dark in here, right? So it'd be a dark room. Would you be able to see anything? What would happen once your eyes start to adjust? What would you see? What? I heard someone say something over here. Yeah, dim outline. So you're seeing a little bit of it, but are you getting the full picture of what's happening, of what's going on in the room? No. So... That's what's important. You may see an outline, but you're not actually able to see it. I think it's important to think about this image and what that means for us because that's often what happens to us. We have become so adjusted to the brokenness around us that we don't even realize that we aren't, we aren't truly seeing things the way that we should. And so the way that God created the world, we don't get to experience that today. There's brokenness. And that's what he's calling darkness. I think another example that helps us think about that this world is broken is death. My grandfather passed away in November. It was, uh, this, it was right before Thanksgiving. And because it was a holiday, uh, we were having a hard time finding a local pastor, and they lived in Tulsa, that could do the funeral. And so I'm talking with my family, and for about three days, I thought I was going to do the funeral. And so as I'm sitting there, I'm starting to write everything out, and I'm starting to think through what is it that I would like to say to my family? What is it that I think they need to hear? What is it that I need to hear? And in those moments, it just came back. It's like, death does not win. This reminds me that this is not what God wants. God does not want death. And we're going to see John talk about death throughout this book. It's a theme that he's going to unpack. You see, friends, the reality of death reveals to us This world is messed up. It wasn't supposed to be this way. And so this darkness that he's talking about, it was caused by sin. 
Sin is anything that we may do that is not, does not bring glory to God. And so back in Genesis, when sin happened, Adam and Eve chose to go against what God had told them to do. They ate of the fruit because they wanted to be like God. In that moment, they chose something other than God. And when that happened, the relationship between man and God was fractured. And everything else changed. In that moment, brokenness entered the world. And because of that, we needed an answer. We needed an option, right? And so the word became flesh. God sent Jesus. You may be wondering, okay, what kind of God would make such a choice? What kind of God would decide to come into the darkness? And friends, I want to tell you, my God does. My God does. He's full of grace, which is what we just read. God did something unimaginable. He came to us. He stepped into the darkness all because of grace. Because of grace. And so what did God do when he came into the darkness? Look in verse 16. It says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Remember, that's a gift that we don't receive, we don't deserve. Verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, and the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. He's saying grace comes through Jesus Christ. The word that became flesh is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one that reveals to us what God is like. And he's saying Jesus is the Son of God. He's making these declarations about who Jesus is. And so, friends, what he's saying is if you want to know God, you can know him through Jesus. Jesus reveals to us who God is and more about him. And so he's saying if you want to know God, look to Jesus. And when you know Jesus, the rest of the world starts to make more sense. Okay, let's go back to the dark room. Okay, we turn on all the lights, things are dark, and all we can see are the outlines of what's happening, right? What would happen if I put a candle in the middle of the room? We start to see things more clearly, right? There's a flame. Not only could you see the flame, but you'd be able to see the rest of the room right? And so that is what he's saying about Jesus. Jesus is the light that enlightens everything. If you know Jesus, everything else in your life starts to become more clear. That doesn't mean we have all the answers. That doesn't mean that life is always easy. But we start to see the reality of what's going on around us. We start to see why we need Jesus. And we start to see how good he is. And we start to experience his grace. So just like verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. It's saying Jesus shines in the darkness of this world, but the world cannot overcome Jesus. That's the gospel. That God not only came as a man to shine light in our darkness, but he came as a man to take all of our darkness on himself and die. That's why God came. That is why Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead three days later and proved everything that John has said. That is our hope. Through this, through Jesus coming, 
God flips on the switch. We get to see. He lit the candle just with the flame. And we get to experience grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Who does that? My God does. So I want to take an opportunity to tell you, what does this text tell us about God? And what does this text say about us? And so I think we might be putting that up on the screen. So what does it say about God? It says that God is from the beginning. He has always been. Also that God is creator. He made all things. God is the one who provides life and light in the darkness. God sent Jesus to reveal the presence of God. God sent John the Baptist to be a witness about Jesus coming. God gives the right to be saved, as we see in verse 12. Also, Jesus became man and dwelt among us and reveals God to us. And God's covenant faithfulness is found in his sending of Jesus. Also, it continues to say that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for sin. We pointed back to Isaiah 53, 7, when it talks about Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away sin. He's saying he is the ultimate sacrifice. That is how we receive grace. Jesus is a teacher. He's teaching us about God, and Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one who can lead and teach and save God's people. He is the Son of God. Okay, in light of this, about what we've learned about God, what does this mean for us as people? Let's look at that. We do not know God or Jesus unless he reveals himself to us. So that means the fact that God sent Jesus, that means that he had to initiate. He had to reveal himself to us. It's not something we can just know on our own. And to be a child of God, we must receive Jesus. That means he reveals himself to us and we then believe in his name and what he came to do. We believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And that if Jesus came as Messiah, that means that we need to be saved. For him to come to save, that means we needed to be saved. I don't think he would have died on the cross if it wasn't what we needed. And when we are pursued by God and Jesus reveals himself to us, he says we're to respond, we're to believe, and we're to respond in obedience. So these are just some things that I want to kind of help you start to think through. When you open up the Bible, what do you do? What am I looking for? What does it say about God? What does it say about us as people? And so we're going to dismiss you in just a minute to go into your connect groups. You'll have some opportunities to get to know one another, as well as to briefly talk through some of this that's in the text. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know what I think about this. I have all kinds of questions. I want to ask you, let one of your leaders know. Bring it up. Say, hey, can we talk about this? I don't understand what she was saying. Come find me, and I would love to sit down and talk with you. I want to help you understand and to know Jesus. And so I'm looking forward to us spending some time this semester as we talk about who did Jesus think he was. Does that sound good? All right, I'm going to pray for us. And uh, if you're a Connect Group leader, would you go ahead and get up and then just kind of disperse yourself around the